What then shall we say in response to all of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? I said, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, no, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. I want you to find, I want you to find three people in your general vicinity and tell them you are more than a conqueror. You are more. You are more, you are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. 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 Hey guys, it's so good to have you here at Ignite. Who's having an awesome time in God's presence tonight? Just so excited. You know, standing there, got one brother just singing his heart out next to me, just filling me up. It's just fantastic. God is good. God is good. You know, as we were um, as we were preparing for this this ministry and this event, particularly tonight, really felt like the Lord laid on our heart a simple word, and that word was victory. That word was victory. And as we, uh, as you can see in the songs and everything we're doing, we're saying, God. What do you want us to proclaim to the Church of Adelaide? And we felt so strong that he was saying, tell them they're more than conquerors. Tell them they've won. Tell them they're victorious. Tell them they're victorious. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes in this life we live that Christian faith, but we're not necessarily living victoriously. But that is not God's intention for the people that He has chosen and called as His own. 
His intention is that if you bear the name of Christ, that you would live victoriously. You know, for me in my life, as a young man, 19, 20 years old, I remember I used to go to bed at night and I would say, Lord, help me beat this thing. Like as a Christian, I was like, God, give me victory, give me victory, give me victory. And then one day, as I was heading off to a basketball game, yeah, amen, brother. Amen. I was heading off to a basketball game, and I'm, I'm OCD to the max. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Some might call it a bit superstitious, but it's not superstition. It's a bit of OCD. And so when something was going well for me, I got in a routine. I'd repeat it over and over again. And we were having a good season. I was playing all right. So I got in this habit of every time I left for a game, I'd say to my mum and dad, hey, mum and dad, pray for me that I play well and pray we get victory. And then I'd open, you know, shut the door and off I'd go. And usually dad would say, no worries, mate, off you go. And this one day, I got to the door, said my normal thing. This is what my dad said. He said, son, you don't have to ask. You've already won. Did you hear that? He said, son, you don't have to ask. You've already won. And I, in that moment, it was like, God had used my father to spiritually punch me right in the vulnerability button. You know what I'm saying? He punched me right there. And I'm having this massive theological, like mind-blowing experience that I've already won. I don't have to ask. I just have to act. And he's not talking about basketball. I don't even remember what happened in that game. But I do remember that from that day to this, I've had this revelation that I don't have to ask, it has been done. You see, when Jesus said, when Jesus said it is finished, that actually meant it is finished. Uh, it, it wasn't like he was saying, I'm finishing it. It'll be done in five minutes, like my wife in the shower. He's saying, that's a lie, I take the long showers. But he's saying, it is finished. It is done. You know, and that moment in my life took me on this great, I just got so caught up in battles. Like I love the battles of the Old Testament. You know, I love the great characters of Moses and Joshua and, you know, Elijah and Elisha. And I just got caught up in that. And there's one story in particular that totally grabbed my heart as we've been looking at this. And the scene is that Israel, the nation of Israel, is encamped on one side of a mount. There's a valley in between and there's this army called the Philistines on the other side. And they're at war, but they're at an impasse because neither army can come down because they give up their position and they'll be destroyed. So they're standing there and they're standing there and there's this one fella from the Philistines who comes down every day for 40 days and he's a big dude and his name's Goliath and he would just hurl insults at Israel. He'd come there and he'd say, this day I defy the armies of the living God. And what Israel would do for 40 days is they would look at this giant and they would run back to their tents in terror. You know, their knees doing this, terrified. But I read that and then I view that in the light of all the stuff that came before it. I go, why are they running? Because the same God that he's mocking is the same God who went through the Red Sea 
is the same God who went through the Jordan, the same God who did incredible things in that nation, defeating the armies that were before them when they had no business doing it. And here they stand in His name and they're terrified. But then there's this guy and his name's David. And David comes along and he hears it. And I love it because he starts speaking faith into that atmosphere. He's just like, who the hell is this dude? And I love that, Laura. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? It's just this little guy bringing some lunch for his brothers. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? They're like, he's nine foot tall. He wears 70 kilo, like 70 kilo is pretty heavy. You put that on a bench press and you'll feel it. Imagine wearing that as some armor. And he does it every day. But David doesn't see the size. David doesn't see the roar. What David sees is an imposter at the impasse. He sees an imposter preventing Israel from the victory that God has already won. And so he comes into that space and he says, who is this guy? And what happens is he goes, you know what? I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. And Saul comes along and tries to put his armor on him and says, you're going to need this if you want to fight. And David's like, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't wear that stuff. That's not who I am. You know, I read that. And what I realize is in our lives, we all have giants. We all have the big giant, the angry giant who stands at the impasse, who stands at the point where victory is, screams in our face and makes us believe there is no victory there. Makes us believe we can't win. Are you with me? And that giant looks different for every single one of you, but that giant is real in our lives. And so often we act like Israel and we think, well, I can't get a win here. But like my dad said to me and I say to you, he said, you know what? You've already won. Because there was a shepherd boy who had spent his days out in the paddocks, just looking after sheep, who came into that space and was not intimidated by the giant, but he says, I will fight because this guy's an imposter and God's calling us to victory. And I want to read you a little bit of this story from, the, from 1 Samuel chapter 17. If I ever get a big tattoo, this is exactly what it's going to be. I'm going to read to you from verse 34 where David's with Saul. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. How full on is that? When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and I killed it. And your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own armor, and David, I'm just going to skip, he's like, no man, that's not going to happen. And it says, meanwhile, actually, we'll go from there. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. He took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, 
put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. I love how the Bible puts that in there, by the way. And he despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And then David unleashes the greatest monologue that history has ever seen. And he says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and He will give you into our hands. And I want to tell you something this morning or tonight is that what we see here so often is people preach this totally wrong because what they'll tell you is that David is the underdog and that Goliath is the champion. And so we believe this lie that David's an underdog story, but that's not the case at all. And Israel thought David was an underdog. David's the only one who saw it for what it was. You see, he looks at Goliath, and the history books tell us that Goliath was slow in his movement, and the history books tell us that that Goliath was unsteady on his feet. And he looks at this big oath of a man who needs his shield bearer to walk him down the hill so that he can fight. He hears this man say to him, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And he's like, bro... I don't have sticks, I've got a sling and a staff. And I reckon he looked at him and said, you're bloody blind, mate. And so all of a sudden he starts to see, well, I'm fast. I've spent my days sitting here killing lions and bears. I am a trained hunter with my sling. And it's not one of these little slingshots that you get with a marble trying to kill birds when you're a kid. Like this is a serious weapon And they could take stones of granite like billiard balls. They could put them in there. They could fling it 100 kilometers an hour and hit a bird out of the sky 300 meters away. That's how skilled these people were. And this is David with his weapon. And he sees this slow giant and he unleashes this awesome monologue. And I reckon that in this moment, Goliath is like, oh my goodness, I've been exposed. And I wonder if he didn't just crap his pants a little bit. Because for the first time in history, the first time in his life, someone had seen him for what he was. That seen him as an imposter. That seen him as a fraud. Not as one who had authority and power, but as one who didn't belong. And it happened to be a small shepherd boy who was handsome. And he comes along and he releases this this thing and Goliath gets all ticked off and before he takes a couple of steps he's lying dead on the ground 
And David goes over and chops his head off exactly like he said he would. And I wonder how often we turn the giant into more than it is. Do you look at the giant and see something you can't defeat? Or do you look at the giant like David did and see an imposter who doesn't belong, who has no authority, who has no strength compared to the all-surpassing power and glory of the one whose name you bear? You know, one of my great mates, a guy called Jeremy Jakes, is here. And Jezza and I and a few other mates, one day we went camping. We're in a tent and we heard this, this noise. And Jeremy's a big fella. It's like 6'6". Six, six, where are you? What, 6'6", six, six, kg? He's a big boy and he comes from Cootamundra. Everyone say Cootamundra. That's a country town. No one knows where it is, I know. But he's a country boy, right? And country boys can do anything. And we hear this noise and he goes, mate, he goes, that's a wild boar. Are you sure there's wild boars in Kaipo Forest? That's a wild boar. <laughs> so we'd be going to the toilet with a machete in our hand, terrified of the wild boar. But you know what we discovered the next day? We discovered that that wild boar was just two koalas doing what you do in the springtime. <laughs> I think sometimes we turn, we turn the koala in our life into a wild boar. I think sometimes the giant, we need to see it for what it is. We need to name it for what it is. We need to just get the weapons of our warfare. You know, we need to start filling up the sling. We need to start getting the rocks of prayer and of praise and of proclamation of His promises. And we need to start filling our sling with those stones and be prepared to start swinging that thing around a little bit and start firing some weapons at the giants which stand in the valley of your life, in the valley of your heart. You know, because I want to I read something to you from Isaiah chapter 53, one of the greatest passages in Scripture. Some of you know what's coming. And Isaiah, speaking of Jesus, says this, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a dry root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And friends, it says by his wounds we are healed. There is one who has come, who has the authority to stare that giant in the face, who has the authority and the power to take that giant down in your life. There is one who has come who bore our iniquity so that we have the authority to take our stand 
and to declare the praise of God, to declare who He is in our life and to walk in victory. And that that God who was with David is with you right now. So we're going to stand to our feet. And what we're going to do is we're going to start to put some rocks in the sling. And we're going to start to declare His praise. And we're going to say that your name, your name is victory. And I want you to sing this. And I want you to look at the giant in your life. And I want you to declare that He does not belong there. That it has no authority over your life, but you have victory in Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. So let's sing and put some weapons of our warfare to work.